0: Welcome to the Imperfect and Normal Families Only Podcast, a podcast for imperfect and normal families, where you can admit openly, along with us, that we're all a bit screwed up.
1: We have no clue what we're doing, and we're in this together.
0: And I wrote a, we were kind of magnet years ago about our ministry that said, we're, we're, we're honest enough to admit we have no idea what we're doing, but we're wise enough to trust in the one who does.
1: That was gold. Thank gold. you, honey. Tweet
0: that. Yeah, tweetable, Barrett Johnson, Info for Families, copyright <laughs> 2017, whatever. But welcome, glad you're here today. Again, we're the podcast for people who are just normal families trying to figure out how to find God's very, very best in this normal life. And uh, it's always good to be together. What news we have in our life these days, Jen? That's we're talking about for fun.
1: Well, we're super excited about welcoming more grandbabies to our home this summer. That's fun, and it is our second born, and it's our firstborn son and his precious wife, and they are having twins, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me i felt like landon and emily my second and third were almost twins because they were only 15 months apart but irish
0: twins what do you call that words that's not
1: quite irish no, no, twins no, but, but almost close. but two cribs two sets of diapers yeah. and all that good stuff but i just can't imagine that when we get to keep them you get to hold one and i get to hold one and we don't have to fight over them i'm just so excited it's
0: unbelievable We've been anxious. We have our grandchildren now are, what, seven, five, and three. And we've been I really am. going, we need some babies in our life. Yes. And so God said, okay. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. So we're ex- thrilled, excited about that. It's what we know right now is babies are healthy. So we'll share more news about that as the time goes on. But... We're ecstatic to be grandparents again coming up this summer, so you can pray for our kids. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to cover a couple of key things. The most important topic, our main topic, will be about how to disciple your kids, how to make disciples your kids, and take advantage of that. And we have a real neat conversation with a guy who's kind of a quote unquote expert in this area that uh, we'll share with you in just a moment. And he's got some neat things to share, and we've got some neat commentary. But if you've ever felt the burden or the heaviness to say, "What am I doing to invest in my kids spiritually?" We've got some good stuff for you today here. So. We're thrilled to share that. But first, let's talk about what's in the news. So, Jen, you know technology is always on the radar of parents. You know, more and more times parents are giving their kids smartphones at an early age. We've even started doing a, a seminar that we do for about an hour in schools and in churches called Parenting the Smartphone Generation because parents are kind of looking for help with this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of caught parents off guard. We we kind of introduced, you know, flip phones to our kids when they were, you know, middle schoolers and that was kind of a new thing to catch up with. But now the smartphone thing has changed absolutely everything. It really has. So we got to stay on top of that as a parent. But one little article we saw recently, it was kind of a post by a ministry called, or not a ministry, but an organization that has a software called Bark. Bark is all about, you know, providing ways to monitor what your kids are doing on social media and, you know, bullying and content and all that stuff. It's a great little organization that has great software tools to monitor stuff. They've got a whole team designed to kind of monitor trends and what people are seeing. And they released a video of some of their studies. This is just about four months ago, but it went viral just a few weeks ago. We even shared a little blog post about it at infoforfamilies.com. So if you're curious, you can go to our website and find this post. But what they did is they took a 35-year-old mom and using Photoshop and some creative photographs and stuff, they kind of turned her into a 12, 11, 12-year-old girl and created an Instagram account for her and a history and kind of just created a profile of this girl showing cute little pictures of her as an 11, 12 year old girl. And it was really phenomenal what they did to kind of emulate a little girl and post it online. It was kind of shocking what they did, but they finally went live with this profile and you can see a video. There's like a nine minute summary video of what they did. They they posted her profile and made it public online, and it was astounding. They even had a gal with a timer on her phone saying, "Let's see say how long it takes for someone creepy to reach out to this girl."
1: And was it on Facebook? It was on or Instagram. Instagram or what? Instagram. Okay.
0: This, which is the number one TikTok's kind of taken over, but the number one kind of profile face or uh, social media place for our kids today. Jim, within like a minute and a half, there were creeper dudes reaching out to her. And even there's a, you know, Instagram has a video feature where you can video chat and, and guys calling this girl on video chat naked. I mean, it was just shocking how quickly uh, the conversation started and, and pursuit and I mean pedophile types trying to connect with her and reach out to her and meet her in person and it was, was there anything most,
1: in the profile just a sweet little 11 year old
0: girl that had some cute little shots of her whatever Gosh. just it was just shocking so it's just a reminder you can go to our website info for families and, and look at the video and, and some of our commentary on it but it's just a reminder as parents we've got to stay diligent we had a close to us friend who oh.
1: um how old was yeah, her daughter? I don't, I think she was maybe fifth grade. Didn't even have her own cell phone, no. but got on my friend's cell phone and did some Instagram. Just exploring and, and poking
0: around and looking wasn't, around.
1: Wasn't, was totally, I don't know, not looking for anything bad. I mean, just completely innocent and stumbled into all kinds of pornography on Instagram. And it is just. It's just not even anymore if, it's when. Yeah. I mean, our kids are going to stumble into it. We need to face it. We need to have it talked about and out in the open and tell them what to do when they see it. And golly, we cannot say enough to not ever, ever punish them or get angry with them. And when just, they make a mistake or when yes, they stumble on something,
0: it's really just a call for us to be diligent as hand. parents to, to guide and protect Don't give your kids a smartphone without setting up some specific parameters on that. Our new app, Jen on the resource page, you know, we do have a place where parents can find clues and advice and direction on how to set up a smartphone you give to a young person. So be diligent and realize every platform on the planet is benign as it seems, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. You can find pornography on Pinterest. It's just it's it's
1: there's no way to get away around it or away from it. And so we've got to help our kids know how to battle it and know how to battle the shame and all the stuff that comes on them when they innocently didn't even mean to look at it or yeah. see it
0: so be diligent parents just a little reminder of that we'll look at that blog post in that video it's it's shocking it's troubling to be honest but but it's worth parents seeing to know what's out there to be diligent to protect our kids in this technological world of ours anyway follow up on that Our main conversation or topic today is about discipling your kids and what that looks like. And, and that's kind of a heartbeat of ours of being spiritually d- intentional and deliberate with our kids. We're not always great at it, but it's always on our mind. But there was a conference uh, back in the fall called D6, about the Deuteronomy 6 is the root of that. And one of the keynote speakers was a guy named Philip Nation. And Philip Nation is kind of an expert on this kind of stuff. He speaks to churches and leaders and families all over the nation It's funny, his name's Philip Nation, but you can follow him on Twitter and and find him there and kind of see his content. But he's had roles with Lifeway and the Baptist World Alliance. He right now serves as a vice president at Thomas Nelson Publishers, helping to publish Bibles. But one of his roles is a speaker. And so I had the chance to sit down with him for about 15 minutes. And so I invite you to enjoy this conversation, what he has to share about uh, a parent's role in making disciples in your home. And he gives some great practical advice on how to do that. So enjoy this conversation with Philip Nation. Well, Philip Nation, thanks for talking to me today. Absolutely, Barry. You're kind of a guru on the area of, of discipleship and helping people just learn to walk with God, interact with Him, make a spirituality and the relationship with Him is kind of a key element of their daily lives.
2: Yeah, uh, although obviously you have a very low expectation of what the word guru means.
0: No, no, you're, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm introducing you as a guru because you know more than I do. And so I'm here at a D6 conference. You were on stage last night presenting to more than a thousand people some great principles Thanks. for that. Discipleship can feel like this, obviously, fundamental thing that we're Called to be disciples, it's we know it's what we're called to be and what we're called to do. The exercises of discipleship can seem sometimes a little not lofty, but but have discipline built in that seems hard and, and hard to reach. Or I'm not a disciplined person. I'd love to talk with you some about what it looks like to create kind of a f- uh, culture of disciple making in our homes, whether yeah. it be in our own lives encouraging that in our spouses, but particularly as it relates to our kids, um, is that too far reaching for the average family? Is, is it is it too hard to say, hey, let's be discipling in our homes? Can we expect that as normal for the Christian family?
2: I think it's completely accessible yeah. for the for the normal Christian family, even though at times we have given in to the temptations of the dump for discipleship. We dump our kids off at the front door of the church.
0: No, that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, 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 take oh, oh, your I'm kids right. to church, to right. let them be
2: <laughs> learn how to be spiritual right. people. Right. Find surrogate spiritual parents for your children. <laughs> I, and and that, that that temptation sits there because we think, oh well, the church has a system for this. Yes. They've got processes, they've got they've got curriculum, uh, they've got classes, they've got teachers, and yep. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that those teachers have been trained by somebody. Sure. Uh, because I know as a parent like, I, nobody trained me, and I don't have any curriculum, and I don't have a system in place. But, but I want to encourage the parents that are listening in to, to understand that you don't have to have a complicated system in order to create disciples. Uh, what you have to have are human beings. And then on top of that, you've got the gospel uh, in particular and the Word of God comprehensively. And, and, and with the Spirit's help, you, as a parent, whether you feel like you're all alone in this work or whether you've got a whole group of friends that you're all in the fight together, that you guys can do the discipleship work of your children. And so, Barrett, one of the things I'd, I'd say to parents is that begin with your attitude toward it, that you're not. You have not been put on the earth, and God has not entrusted these little human beings into your life for you to raise mannerly children. Take them outside, interact with other people, and they're behaved kids. That's that's not the goal. That's not the goal. Now, hopefully, that's going to be a... uh, Byproduct or... Yeah, it's going to come along the way that you you will have mannerly human beings in your house with you. Yes. Uh, But the great commission that Jesus gives to the apostles, gives to the church, is the same great commission that is given to parents. And that is, we have the opportunity because of this, you know, the most intimate, close relationship that we have, a parent with, chi- with child, is that we're not just raising children. We're making disciples. Mm. And, and so go ahead and let that be the mentality of your household. Uh, there is this great quote that gets run around uh, the interwebs, like lots of great quotes do, that has no citation to it whatsoever. But it's always attributed to the famous American author Mark Twain, who apparently was not a fan of the church. And he supposedly said, supposedly, supposedly, that church is nothing but good people standing in front of good people, telling them how to be good people. Okay, and, and our parenting has got to be so much more than that. Yes, of us just trying to be moral and, and helping our children yeah. to be moral. So I, I just want you to know that from from the jump of having children, that let it be in your mentality: I am going to make a disciple because this is what Jesus has as a desire. For me, and has a desire for my kids.
0: Well, well, the goal of that. I mean, was it a uh, Smith who from Wake Forest? Thing it was that said that we've got basically moralistic therapeutic deism. Yes. That we're just training kids to be people who have God or baptized behavioralists to make mm-hmm. good, happy people, and what our kids many times embrace. That's what the Christian life is. Just help me be yeah. a good Christian person who's involved in the church. But right. being a disciple is so much more than that. It's, it is.
2: And it's not allowing the Bible just to become an extension of the Mother Goose and Grimm fairy yes, tales. Very good. That everything's got a mir- yeah. you know, it's got a little moral at the end of yep. it and Jesus yep. just becomes a mystical teacher. Yep. But instead, know that uh, you have the opportunity to introduce life transformation To your children and not just a transactional relationship with god where if your kids are nice then god will do good things and if your kids are naughty then god's gonna you know thanos snap them out of existence yeah and so i think they can just know that that a that this is accessible and that it's expected, and it's doable, because lots of other people have done it. Well, Jesus modeled discipleship through the context of
0: relationship. It was three years of come go with me, watch what I do, and do what I do, and now go do it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I think too many times the church can't that it can't be that you know. The, one of the mottos here, I think, in this conference at D six is this combination of one versus one sixty eight. I think yeah. it is. So, There's 168 hours in a week. The church has got about one hour of that. Mm-hmm. Family might have a lot more than that. Right. So, what are the potential for your influence over your kids as you go, as you walk through life? Not in a, hey, we're going to talk about spiritual things for this 45 minutes, and that'll be
2: yeah. your spiritual upbringing. And that's going to be enough. And and you know what, Barrett, I actually have a real life example yep. of that that when I was still in college, 19 years old, serving as a bivocational pastor or part-time youth pastor.
0: Nineteen years old as a 19 youth pastor. years
2: old as a youth pastor. I mean this very is qualified, a, I'm sure. Oh sorry. yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. And so I had these four boys in, in our student group of like 12 kids. And I can tell you, I remember the moment on a Wednesday afternoon, I had finished classes, I had gone to the church campus, was getting ready for Bible study that night. That these four boys um, were nicknamed by friends of mine, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) That's how well behaved they were. And one of their mothers stormed into my office, looked at me. I mean, here's this middle-aged woman of this teenage kid. And she looks at me, 19-year-old student pastor, and says to me, I need you to fix my son. And I was living the one over 168 life long before. long before there's a logo. And so I want to say to moms and dads that this is entrusted to you and that you have got the opportunity if you'll be patient. Uh, But sometimes it's that delayed gratification that gets in our way because we live in this microwave society where we can have everything right now because I've got an iPhone that I can immediately access information. I've got Amazon that I can get next day delivery on everything. But your kids, that's crock-pot discipleship. Slow, long process. Yeah, and so give yourself some grace and be patient and just know that sometimes a 12-year-old girl is going to act like a 12-year-old girl, and a six-year-old boy is going to act like a six-year-old boy, and heaven help us all, a 17-year-old kid is going to act like a 17-year-old. Yeah. Don't don't make
0: uh, mountains out of
2: molehills. Yeah. Just realize
0: there's a process of growth, and immature kids take a while to, to kind of mature. It does. All right. So what can we do as families? Let's let's say I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, all right. So uh, I've got a 16 year old and a 14 year old and a 10 year old, and I'm being a soccer mom, and we're just blowing and going. Life is crazy. Life is busy. Homework all the time. How can we integrate disciplines of discipleship? How can we yeah. integrate making disciples into the daily life of our homes? The I mean, first- do you advocate for Let's have a Tuesday night family devotion time. If families do that, I think, a Yeah.
2: but is, is that prescriptive? Is that the best means to, to, is that just one element of many? I think it's one element of many. I, I now, I, I'm going to be careful with the word prescriptive. I know what you mean by it. Yeah. I think our listeners do as well. Um, and I think that those kind of intentional habits are helpful, and you should find your way to them. But before you find your way to suddenly declaring, Hey, every Tuesday night we're going to do an hour long. Because most folks are not going to pull that off, right? No. Suddenly we're going to study through the book of Habakkuk, and then we're going to go to Jeremiah, and then we're going to. And your kids are going to love every (laughs) minute of it. That's right. And then we're going to figure out Revelation. Yeah. Instead, just begin with this step: normalize spiritual conversations. Okay. What does that mean? For most of us, any conversation that is around spiritual issues is the interrupter to the normal conversations we have. Because we talk so much about school and work and movies and sports and everything else. And then suddenly, when a member of the family, especially the parent, says, Hey, we need to talk about something at church. Or we need to talk about something from the Bible. Or we need to address this issue from a spiritual perspective about the decisions that you kiddos are making. Well, then everybody gets defensive and back on their heels because that's not what we normally do. And so you as the parent can begin to normalize the topics of the spiritual realm by simply beginning to couch the decisions that you're making with your kids based on scriptures that you've read, based on prayer times that you've had, so that they begin to see mom or dad talking about Jesus, God, the Bible, church, faith, as this is the normal thing that they talk about. So, that when you bring it up and you want them to engage in the conversation, they're not taken off guard, they're not afraid that they're in trouble, that they suddenly. So, it's
0: not, yeah, because usually it's a when, when God comes up, accuse him because someone's getting punished, or, right. or, or mom only talks about God when she's mad at us, right. and, and that's somehow her big stick that she brings into play that
2: exactly. makes you feel
0: even worse than oh, what yeah. I do. So, so, it's a frequency thing, maybe, of, of it's normalizing because we're doing it more often.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that, I, I know the answer to this question, but is that require a parent to make sure that they are walking regularly with God and and in the Word and speaking often and frequently and regularly and comfortably about spiritual issues of life, what God's showing me, what God's teaching me. Oh, absolutely. That that predates. So you you can't take your kids somewhere you've never been before.
2: Yeah. And so if you want your kids to begin walking more deeply with Christ and to better understand His Word, then you do. You've got to start with yourself. You've got to, you're going to have to do a little bit of kind of ruthless evaluation, as to where am I with Christ. And I, and I would say to parents, don't go this alone. There's absolutely no reason to, because chances are every other parent that's in your Bible study group, every other parent that's in your local congregation, they're all thinking the same thing. They feel thing. the same thing. I wish I knew how to talk to my kids about spiritual stuff. Yeah. And so be the one who broaches the subject and say, hey, could we start talking about these things together on a regular basis so that we can give each other courage and so that we can hold one another in loving accountability about our own walks with Christ so that it becomes more natural and normal for it to be the context of our family relationships.
0: Let me ask you this. What, if, what about a family who sees that burden, desires that like nobody's business, but you've got a teenager who shows literally zero interest yeah. in the things of God. Yeah. You're dragging them to church when they go. Yeah, When you bring up God, they, or, or the scripture, or, or God's perspective on something, they roll their eyes. I mean, yeah. there's just very little spiritual pulse there.
2: Yeah, and, and I would say so many of us have walked down those roads. And uh, as a pastor, I've walked that road with a lot of people at times in our own family life. I feel like I've been there. I'm biased toward my children. I think my two boys are awesome. Uh, however, we've been in those environments too. And so for those parents, what I want you to know is that if you start feeling the press back from your kids, that's not a signal that somehow you've got to shut down the conversation. Instead, you're just going to have to find new tactics to talk about those things. It, 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 it certainly is going to increase your prayer life for that particular child in sure, your family. Yeah. And, and so maybe rather than trying to... Um, use it as edicts about morality in their life.
0: Because that's probably gonna be, you'll have resistance to that right. big
2: time. Instead, start asking that child, hey, tomorrow morning when I take some time to pray, what's one thing that I can pray for you about? Okay. And you'll still get the eye roll, Yeah. and you'll still get the size, but eventually that kid's gonna tell you what it is that is burdening their heart. Mm. And so just allow your prayer, your intercessions, to become a balm for some of their hurts, and to begin an, 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 that process of finding an opportunity to soothe them. Because if all you do is just spout the daily problem oh, yeah, to them, sure. that, that's the power. The Word of God is powerful; yep. never returns void. Yep. But let your prayer life be a ministry to that kid.
0: That, that, exp- that expresses love in a way that they, they have to receive it. Right. They, they sense my, my parents. I'm not buying into this, but they love me enough to keep on pressing into my heart and exactly. pressing me into God, and, and hopefully that will bear fruit down the road at some yeah. point. Good deal. Anything else you'd encourage parents with just to, to create this discipleship context or dynamic in their homes?
2: Yeah, I, I just I, I would say you've got to lay out your priorities in life so that they'll follow suit. Okay. and Because if, if they see that your priorities are achievements, then then they will chase after achievements yeah. in their context. And so, allow them to see that your priorities are intimacy with Christ and engagement in His mission, so that they can see what an adult, a healthy adult, walking with Jesus, chasing after maturity, life looks like.
0: Yeah. So, be a good example along those lines. Yeah. That's great. Good work. Hey, uh, we always have a resource we, we recommend. You've written a book that kind of gives some help along these lines and personal spiritual disciplines. That's kind of accessible to the average Joe or going yeah. establishment. Tell me about that.
2: So, I wrote this book a few years ago called "Habits for Our holiness Uh, I do think that the spiritual disciplines that's what it's about uh, can be habitual that they can become the default position of how we act rather than again as the interrupters and I wrote it very specifically with a younger audience in mind so it's very accessible it it helps you not just to understand that there is this discipline but actually how to do the discipline and so i would encourage people obviously i wrote it so i love it and i've got a passion for it to pick it up Uh, it's got helpful just very practical guidelines of if you want to figure out not just why you should study the bible but actually how to study the bible or about fasting or about service or about leadership it's just got some good practical handholds and it's one of those books that i think is accessible from the teenager all the way up through adulthood.
0: And it's beautiful, it's not focused on do these things, more how to integrate these things into your daily life so that you're walking with God and growing in Him and have a heart set upon the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, As you go, and not necessarily as this kind of burdensome thing. Another thing to layer on top of you to make you feel guilty about. Exactly. Like eating and
2: breathing and living. Yeah, I just make the case within it that I think the very central discipline of the Christian life is love. Yeah. And everything else is a practice of that love for Christ and how we express the love of Christ to other people. Outstanding, Philip. You're on the stage talking to a lot of different people. We thank you for taking a minute to talk
0: with us and, and our audience and give us a few encouraging words about how to just uh, create a home filled discipleship where we're making disciples of the next generation. Thanks Absolutely. so much. Appreciate Thanks it a lot. lot. Appreciate it. So, Jen, I had that conversation at the conference, but you didn't. Um, the whole issue of making uh, spiritual conversations about. God, about our faith, about how it's lived out day by day, about what God's teaching us, making those conversations normal in our home, normalizing those conversations, I think is my biggest takeaway from that. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge for all of us, but it's certainly something we can aspire to.
1: I remember when we were in Colleyville, Texas, someone spoke at a women's event that I was at, and she asked people to just on the spot stand up where you are and share your life verse. And people did. And I thought, gosh, if someone asked me what my life verse is right now, I'd, I couldn't stand up. I didn't have one. And that's when God gave me Deuteronomy 6. Yeah. And I felt like that was my theme verse for our family. And all of our kids were really young at that point. And so it was such an instrumental time in my life. And I just felt like I wanted my kids to be raised in a family where we talked about these things as we walked along the way, when we laid down, when we rode along in our minivan, um, that it wasn't compartmentalized to, we talk about certain things at church, certain things at home, and certain things at school. But it was just all a conti- continuous a flow of conversations that happened all the time and that were very natural. And we had to work at that. We had to be very um, thoughtful about making it just be a normal part of our lives.
0: And I think the key for that, perhaps, is it's a normal part of your life every single day. That it truly is your spiritual life is a normal part of your life. It's not something you pull out of your hat on Sunday mornings, or it's it's something that you do day in, day out. And so that's a challenge for us. And so if you as a parent uh, were convicted by this or or realizing that maybe I need to step in more of this, then then just start living your faith out loud and start considering what God's doing in your life day in, day out. I remember Jen in college going to a a freshman Bible study led by probably a 21-year-old of a bunch of 18-year-olds. And we got together that first gathering in a dorm room, six or seven of us, just crowded a dorm room. And this leader guy asked the question, said, well, let's start by this. What's God been teaching you? Kind of like your life first question. It was, what's God been teaching this week? And that was the first time as a young person I'd ever considered, does God want to be teaching me something throughout the course of my daily life? And it was shocking that I was 18 years old first having that considerate thought, but it really was. Okay. I didn't really know. I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. It's funny. We got together the next Tuesday night and he led again with that same question. What's God been teaching you? And I, you know, I made something up and, but it made me realize he's going to ask this question every single week. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'd be good for me to start looking around the course of my daily life. God, what are you trying to show me? What are you teaching me? Where are you at work in my daily life? And maybe for our kids is helping them to see that, helping them to wonder, what is God doing in my relationships, at school, with my family, as He, you know, goes through good and bad times in the course of my life? What is God wanting to teach me? And maybe that's a great conversation starter in your homes. Yeah. What's God teaching you as you go? So, if you can start normalizing conversations in your home, that's a win. If you do want to go to the next level and and start having uh, more intentional times of, of Bible study with your children or preschoolers, if you're trying to start kind of a intentional family devotion time when your kids are sixteen. It, it may feel a little challenging, but if you can start when your kids are young, that's a great thing to do. Um, we want to offer you a resource where you can do that. So here's our featured resource of the week. So Jen, if you haven't heard, we launched a new app this last week. <laughs> have you heard exciting. that?
1: Exciting! Yes. You've heard that? I definitely have.
0: So we've got all of our content we pushed online, but one thing we added to that is little family devotion guides. And we've been writing those for years for a, a different ministry under contract, but we have those written. So we've been kind of tweaking them, revising them, streamlining them a little bit, and we've been pushing those to the app. And so we'll do that regularly. I think there's six little family devotion guides on there right now that you can pull from, some about parables, some about the importance of God's word in our life. And we'll add more and more of the, about those just different things that you want to be teaching your kids. So take advantage of our app. It's something you can do on a weeknight when the family's all together. There's applications for different age groups. So if you want to have an intentional Bible study time or devotion time to consider spiritual things, it's a great tool to use. We invite you to use the app. So go and get that app at infoforfamilies.com. There's a new little green or turquoise colored bar at the very top of our website on our on your iPhone website or on you know, infovalues.com, wherever you go. Just click on that green bar, chance to download the app, and you can access those family devotion guides. So take advantage of those tools.
1: And thanks to everyone that has shared the app. Yes. That has just been humongous to us and to the ministry, and it really helps us keep sharing and um, just keep sharing with people the different deals that we have on there, the different subjects like devotion. If, if you listen and to something
0: or find something and it's helpful to you, maybe go to our Facebook page, share one of our posts about the app on your wall and say, hey, this is a great app and here's what I found on it. It's super. Just that kind of stuff is, is meaningful when you tell a personal story.
1: What I'd love for people to share is that with the devotions, they are age appropriate. Yeah. And so they've got several different choices for whatever age group. Kids, you're speaking to, and I think that's extra special, and people would love to know that. So, please share that. Please enjoy it for you and your family. May it bless you, and may it become very normative to speak of what God's doing in our lives and just to every day, day in, day out type of way. Indeed.
0: Well, that's all we got for today. Let me remind you, as always, we love when you share our content, share this podcast with people, and that kind of stuff. Take advantage of that faux show, and as you disciple your kids. Know that you can do this. This is God doesn't ever call us to do something or ask us to do something, that he's not right there with us, guiding us. And so feel confident that you can do this. You have something to share. You have a faith to pass on to your kids. Be intentional in doing that. You, you've got what it takes. And I love what G.K. Chesterton says. We always use this quote. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. And so even if you feel like I'm not any good at this, just keep on pressing. And it feels
1: in. clumsy or you've got to be,
0: you've got to be bad first before you can get good. Right. So just be And it to can keep be
1: on. truly as simple as you just sharing with your kids, what you feel like you're growing that's in right. and learning in the moment. That's as simple. I mean, that's super simple.
0: Exactly. So imperfect, normal families only out there. You've got this. You can do this for now. That's all we've got. So again, have a blessed day. Know that we love you, care for you. Uh, if we can serve you at all, reach out to us at help at info for This is Barrett Johnson.
1: And Jen, take care.